Bishop Johnson gave me an assignment, and the assignment is to talk about demolition. That assignment, I believe, is the word of the Lord for this hour. Amen. We're going to talk about demolition this morning, and before we do that, we're going to watch a clip first. I know you're angry at us, at the world, maybe at yourself a little bit. I don't know, you're not talking. Right? The truth is, when I'm pissed, I don't much like to talk about it either. But you know what I do like to do? Oh. Really? Anything in this room. Swing away. Okay. Huh? How'd that feel? Okay. Oh, Feels good, huh? Yeah. I told you. I don't, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't waste it, all right? I want you to do me a favor. I need you to think about something that really pisses you off. You got it? Yeah, I got it. Are you sure? Yeah, I got it. All right, let's see it. Bust that up. <laughs> yes! There you go. Like that? Yeah, okay. Um, all right, come on. some demolition work. Amen. How many of you can think about things in your life that needs to experience a demolition? I'm talking about some things that need to be tore up. Okay, we're going to see that happen this morning. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 4th through the 5th verse. I'm going to come from the Amplified Version. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, using mere human weapons. For the, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrowing and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we, lead, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. Another translation actually says, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign imploring human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the def defenses which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bows in obedience to Jesus Christ. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. If you look at this passage, it's interesting that it gives us, at the end of the, most people don't look at the, the last phrase, it says, when our obedience is complete. 
There are some things that God wants to do in each of our lives that the Lord is waiting for you and I, for our obedience to be complete. There's some issues in our lives where there's been controversy or some issues where people have done you wrong or certain breakthroughs did not come. And the Lord is saying in this passage, when your obedience is complete. A passage Bishop Johnson shared with the men this past Monday is found in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse. It reads, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. It's interesting in this passage it says, for those who do not believe, the, gods, the God of this world has blinded them to the knowledge of God. How many of you remember when you were hostile towards the gospel? How many of you remember? I remember I, I had a hostile moment. Oh, yeah. I remember the moment. I think I shared it with you, uh, you all. I never forget. Uh, I told this person, I said, don't you, you know, these, uh, these, this brother and sister, they would witness and share Christ with people at school. And I told them, I said, you know, in the ninth grade, a couple of us had different halls that we supervised and that people would pay us money to go to the restroom. And, um, and so, you know, you had to pay a fee to go in. And, and, and I remember I told this guy, I said, and, and he, he was known in the whole junior high for talking to people about the Lord. And I told him, I said, don't you ever say anything to me about Jesus. Because my heart had grown so hard, so hard towards God. God didn't answer my prayers, and I just turned. I, I mean, I, there was so much ha hatred in my heart. And so he came up to me talking about Jesus. And i never forget, I said, I got you. I got you. And so after school, he and his sister were walking home. I picked up some rocks and... Um, and we practiced in our neighborhood throwing rocks and, uh, I mean, hitting the target. And so I, I, I threw the rock close enough to him and his sister. I meant not to hit him. I didn't hit him, but I scared him. They scattered. Then I went home that night, got on my knees, and asked Jesus to forgive me. But at that time, I could not see God. The God of this world had done what? Blinded me. I could not see. I remember when Christ came into my life, the glorious light of the gospel, I was able to see. My mother would play Christian music and I would turn my music up loud as it could go. Tear the roof off. You know, I, I can't say the other words, but but I would I would turn 
I would turn the music up on Sunday morning. She would just play her spirituals. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. I tell you, get ready. You know, whatever. But anyway, she would play this music, uh, the gospel Southern Airs and, 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 and uh, the gospel keynotes. And, um, and I would just turn my music up. Man, I had the black light, the black light going in my room. I had, man, black light paper all over my window, man. It was just crazy playing Jimi Hendrix with the incense going up. But when Jesus, and, and, and I remember when it would rain, I would hate the sound of, of the animals, and I would just holler out the window and, and just, just, I would say some words. But, but anyway, when Jesus came into my life, the Lord changed everything. Nature was beautiful. I remember opening the door, listening to the music. It was so soothing to my heart because the God of this world no longer blinded me to Jesus Christ. But it's possible when we're walking with the Lord that the God of this world can blind us to certain truths about the Lord. Satan has three weapons. I want to say this morning, all spiritual warfare is over who will control reality in your life. The Bible says Satan is the father of lies. He's incapable of speaking the truth. The ways that he come against us, he uses temptation. The Bible talks about the enemy flinging fiery missiles, projectiles, pro I mean, just energized thoughts that he projects into your mind. Like, and, and when they hit you, they, 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 it literally burns with an intensity where you're energized to, 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 to possibly act out what's coming in your head. And so when, when the enemy comes with the uh, fiery missiles, many times he comes one thought after another thought after another thought after another thought after another, rapidly because he's trying to lower your defenses so that you give in to the temptation. He's a tempter. The second weapon of the enemy is, is he's an accuser of the brethren. The enemy will remind you of every sin that you've committed. And then he'll remind you of every sin that you could have committed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're a failure. You're stupid. Nothing good would ever work out for you. You might as well just give in. Although God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, the enemy will turn around and say, you're too bad. God has left you. God does not care. That's the work of the accuser of the brethren. How many of you have ever experienced that? How many of you have experienced it this week? He's an accuser. The third most devastating weapon of the enemy is strongholds. And so we just finished reading. It talks about how strongholds are, are lofty thoughts or reasonings that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. In fact, a good definition of strongholds, strongholds are houses of thought energized by demonic energy. Strongholds are habit structures of thought overriding the knowledge of God. Strongholds are wrong motivations and attitudes that protect and defend a person's walk in the flesh. 
It's like certain parts of the Bible you just read over. It does not do anything because your reasoning in that area overrides what God said. That is a stronghold. Strongholds are collections of thought that are lies against what God has revealed himself in the word of God. A stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. One thing about a stronghold is that you feel hopeless about it. You feel like you, 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 you have no other choice but to do that thing. What are some characteristics of strongholds? One characteristic of strongholds is that strongholds can actually be passed down from one generation to another generation through the iniquities of fathers. Every act of obedience or disobedience is an inheritance to our children. Every act of obedience is an inheritance to our children. Every act of disobedience is an inheritance to our children. Man, one of the interesting things about family reunions, how many of you have gone to family reunions? Man, it, for me, when, when you go to a family reunion, all of a sudden, you begin to see the problematic areas in your family that have gone from one generation to another generation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, it, 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 and the thing about it, it becomes crystal clear. This thing started in, in two or three generations ago, but it's still active. Strongholds can be built within us from deep hurts of wounds that we have received. Our past experiences with relationships causes us to draw the wrong conclusion about love and life. You get hurt, guess what? A stronghold can develop over a period of time where you begin to believe that nobody likes you. Or you develop a mindset that you should reject others before they reject you. And that thing can go from generations to generations. And the interesting thing that I've learned is that you can be delivered from rejection. But if that thing has been in your bloodline for generations, it can pass from one generation to another generation, and you have to do spiritual warfare to break that thing. Hidden pain can cause us to seek pleasure, to comfort ourselves in the flesh, seeking love and affection in wrong places. Because many times when we've been hurt by relationships, the flesh will always seek out counterfeit affections to anesthetize the pain we feel in our hearts. And the next thing we know, we find ourselves in wrong relationships with wrong people doing wrong things. I mean, if you know what we're talking about. Strongholds can be built within us through the words that people speak over us. 
Words of others can become the railroad tracks of your life. There are so many people who are living lives that have been literally carved out for them because of the words of others. And it's interesting, I uh, was just doing a, uh, this, this whole thing. When mothers cri criticize their sons, one of the things that normally happens when the relationship between the mother and son is not good, what happens is that normally if that young man does not get his heart healed, he will treat women in a, in a way that, that, that he's trying to either repel women from getting close to him in his heart because of the hurts of his mother, or he will try to look to other women to fulfill what was lacking in his relationship with his mother. That's a stronghold, because the problem is this. You get married, she cannot be his mother. And if he's looking to her to be his mother, oh, I just did this. Please give me some attention. Please say that's good. And when that doesn't happen, goes into a temper tantrum, pout, get angry, may even get violent because she did not recognize that I did this. He wanted her to stop what she was doing at the moment and just throw a party. And the reason why his anger was disproportionate to what happened was because he was trying to get fulfilled through his wife what could only be fulfilled through his mother. And that sets up the construct of, of, of a series of negative relationships. What we're talking about, we're talking about strongholds. It's the same thing with, with daughters and fathers. It's the same thing when a daughter is looking for her husband to become her father or she looks at him, looks at her husband from the image that she had of a father who disappointed her, who hurt her. So now she has to put her defenses up to protect herself. But in, in putting up her defenses, she's not able to receive love and she wrongly interprets his actions. It's a construct for, for, for destruction. These are strongholds that exhaust themselves above the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Strongholds can be built by ne negative thinking patterns. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you believe you can't, guess what? What's going to happen? You can't. If you believe you're going to fail, you're going to eventually fail. If you believe that people will reject you, people will reject you. What's happening around us is a photograph of what's happening inside of us. So if we want things to change around us, then we have to have renovation. Renovation of our hearts. Something Bishop Johnson has said, man, he says, wherever you are experiencing consistent pain, that is the area the Holy Spirit has his hands on. Wherever 
you are experiencing consistent pain. That's the place. How many of you know what we're talking about here? How many of you can think of that, that area of difficulty, that area of pain, that area of frustration? And the Holy Spirit, man, he's, he's a gentleman, but the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, Holy Spirit is God. So what he does is that he will come and just kind of lightly press that issue. And then, and then you can reject him, but then he'll come back again. Didn't I tell you? And then what happens is that now circumstances literally are built out of our non-reaction to the Holy Spirit's work in us. Oh, man. Strongholds are often, no, I'm going I'm to do that one. Strongholds, another characteristic, is that strongholds can can create the picture of double-mindedness. The Bible says a double-minded man is, is unstable in all of his ways. Conflicting perceptions. One, one, this is the way I should do it, but then the enemy comes and gives you what? Another suggestion. So now you're in this place of confliction. Come on. The Lord wants you to do this. You want to do this. God says, I want you to have a devotion. But on the other hand, when you look at things with your logical thinking, I don't have time for a devotion. Come on. So what happens is that the enemy begins to, yeah, you remember you got to do this today. You remember you got to do that today. You remember you got to do this and that. And before you know it, you are up and out of the door and you didn't have a devotion. And so now what happens is that every day you, your life is that way where you give him a fraction of your time. And so what happens is that your whole life becomes destabilized because the grace that's needed to hold your whole day together would come out of your devotion, but the enemy has taught you out of experiencing devotion. And before, before long, it becomes a stronghold where you don't have a devotion. Another thing is that strongholds can be activated by painful traumas. Sometimes where you've been hurt, sometimes where you've experienced physical, emotional trauma, if, the re if your reactions are not right, then a stronghold can be built out of fear, a stronghold that literally locks you out of relationships, locks you out of marriage, locks you out of productivity in life, can come out of strongholds that are the result of wrong reactions to trauma. Lastly, strongholds can actually be the result of soul ties. Soul ties, I'm not just speaking of a relationship between a man and a woman. Sometimes you can have a stronghold in terms of uh, uh, a soul tie regarding games. Sometimes you can have soul ties regarding your buddies. You know, th th these, these are people you hang with, but when you hang with them, you do, think, you do wrong things, you do bad things. But other than that, when you're not hanging around them, you don't do bad things. But when you hang around them, you do bad things. That's called a soul tie. 
because you're receiving some form of satisfaction from that relationship that you should receive from the Lord. Are we here, saints? These are my club friends. These are, and so, you know, you don't even think about drinking. You don't think about cussing. You don't think about doing nothing. But when you get with these people, your life is drugged down. How many of you know what we're talking about here? Those are soul ties. And sometimes, man, we can, and, and then we start looking at our lives, and our lives haven't gone anywhere like it could have gone because your life is pent down by these wrong people. In fact, it's been found that some people, they experience deliverance from drug addiction, but the thing that holds them bound is the soul tie they have to the person who started them on the addiction. The person who started them in drugs. The person who sold them the drugs. The soul tie. And then the fuel of strongholds are the habits that become addictions. Another thing that strongholds do, they distort our sense of priority. Because wherever you have a stronghold, that becomes the most important thing in your life. So some of you are saying this morning, Elder Crawford, this is for other people, that, and the, the most deceitful thing about strongholds is that each and every one of us in this room, there are areas of vulnerability that all of us deal with. The most dangerous situation is when you are overconfident regarding your ability to deal with these things. That's not me. I have no problems. And then before you know it, we hear that so-and-so robbed the bank. Where did that come from? But I'm going to give you some examples of strongholds, and then we're going to pray. Remember, strongholds are houses of thoughts that defy a houses of thoughts or reasonings or arguments that defy the knowledge of God. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. One, I know that I should not think critically about other people, but I know more than others. I know that I get angry, but that's just how I am. That's a stronghold. I know that I get angry, but that's how you are. You're not that way, but that's a stronghold if you believe that you're that way. Bad things always occur in my friendships. God does not want me happy or to have friends. It's better for me to isolate myself. That's a stronghold. Hopelessness regarding unsaved children. My God. My children will never get. And so when you become hopeless about your children coming to Christ, guess what happens? You can literally shut them out of your heart and they come from under your authority because you've, you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards them and it leads them to, to the mercy of the enemy. And many times as parents when we have unsaved children or children who are not growing the way we think they should grow 
at the speed we think they should grow. Come on, saints. I'm talking about adult children. What happens many times is that the Lord begins to deal with us as parents. And it's only when we are obedient to him in the areas that he's dealing with us that we begin to see a change inside of them. I was looking at this Bishop Johnson and the prodigal son. It was really interesting because I think sometimes the enemy puts things on parents that shouldn't be on a parent. It was interesting that when you look at the prodigal, the, the story of the prodigal son, how many of you say that was a good father in that story? How many of you say that was a, good, a great dad? He was a great dad, but he had children who had problems. Was their situation the result of him? Come on, saints. He was a great dad. But those children made a decision to live a certain way. It was the nature of his fatherhood that brought the prodigal son back. Okay. Another stronghold is that I'm not smart. I can never succeed in school or a job. How do you know you can't succeed? That's a stronghold. I, I, I always flunk tests. I never pass. That's a stronghold because I, through God, I can do what? All things. I can't live with my big, you know, I can't live without my ice cream. I can't live without my big gulp of soda. I can't live without my chocolate that I have to have every day. I'm not content unless I'm full and running over in my stomach. That's a stronghold. And many people are bound by strongholds regarding food. The Bible, in fact, said your belly is your God. That's a stronghold. And I'm not talking in a way to condemn. I'm talking in a way as a person who's had to contend with that. And maybe I'm the only one that's had to deal with it. But that's a stronghold. You got to think about it. Man, it's possible that, that a container of ice cream could have dominion over you. Or, 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 that, or that a plate or... or or, or, or play, I mean, I, man, I, I would go to work out at, at uh, LA Fitness, and man, I would see people, man, who, who, I mean, they would work out so hard, and I would see them, and they were, were obese, and then I see them pick up this big, big 72 ounce, big gulp of soda, and I'm sitting up there, that's a big contradiction. I mean, And I really do believe in this hour because of what's getting ready to happen. The Lord is dealing with, how many of you know the Lord is dealing with us regarding diet? He's dealing with us regarding consumption. He's dealing with us. And for some of us, we have to recognize, I got a problem that I cannot solve by myself. What's the difference of that stronghold that's helping you die quicker than another stronghold that other people are dealing with? You know it's a stronghold when you feel helpless and you begin to believe that you are at the mercy of the food. Another stronghold, I have no gifts or talents. Now that's, 
gifts or talents. God never made a person without gift or talents. I got to be the best in order to be accepted. I'm only accepted if I get an applause or recognition. So I must work and succeed to experience unconditional acceptance. I don't have the energy energy or the drive to train. I, I don't have, you do have energy. You're breathing, so you do have energy. Arguments, you just, I, I, I argue because that's just the way I am. That's not the way you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Some people are hell raisers and they're proud of it. That's a stronghold when you always have to keep arguments and conflict. Something is not right on the inside. And many times when people are wired that way, it's because of pride. Pride is always the center of conflict, unresolved conflict. Pornography is okay because you're not hurting anyone. I know that being attracted to a man other than my husband is wrong, but I did not have sex with the man, so we just kissed and fondled. I know that being attracted to this man's wife was wrong. We just, we just sexed it on the phone. Strongholds. When you believe there's nothing wrong with I want to be used by God, but I'm not anointed. I'm not anointed enough. You will never get married, so settle for the man who has several other women. Never trust. Keep your guard up because all people will use you. I know this, is, this list was for people down the street. Ken, if you could show the second clip, and we're going to land the plane, if you could show the second clip. As cities develop, sometimes old buildings just don't cut it anymore. The Three Gorges Hotel and Passenger Terminal of Chongqing Port in China are 107 metres and 32 storeys of past their best architecture. So they're being demolished to make way for a new transport hub and tourism centre, which means a very big explosion. The blast sent 63,000 cubic metres of history down in just a few seconds, whilst thousands of locals gathered to watch their city change forever. How many of you want that to happen to the strongholds you recognize in your life? How many of you want the demolition? How many of you see areas in your life that you need God to help you demolish? Okay, I'm going to give you two or three points. First of all, the demolition involves, first of all, we, those of us who are in Christ, I used to always get this wrong, always. Because if you don't begin here, you won't end right. We are, when we, man, you know, it, literally when I came to Metro, I had a stronghold because I, I came out of a certain religious belief. I believe that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior, but man, I had a very legalistic way about myself. 
And I mean, just, and so I, it was hard for me to believe that it was all right to laugh at church. I mean, I mean, I would see Bishop touch the altar, you know, and sit on the altar, man, and I would just, oh, thank you, oh God. Because, you know, the altar was, or take the Bible and, and stand on it because I saw people use the Bible to lay hands on people, man. That was a substitute for laying on hands. And, and man, and so I came to Metro, man, and, and I suddenly, I never knew this, but I believed that you were saved by works. I didn't believe this. So when Bishop Johnson started, I'm talking about strongholds. So when he began to teach, man, I'm sitting up here, and he started talking about grace and started talking about righteousness. And then when I heard him say, well, first of all, you, 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 you can't be righteous on your own. And that righteousness, he has to declare you righteous. Oh, my God, man. Heresy. But I remember when Bishop Johnson began to teach, and one of the things is that we have to recognize that we are new cre creations, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, that we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We must not define ourselves by our struggles, but by Jesus' work on the cross and his desire for us. That is the beginning spot. The second thing that we must do, James 4, 7 says, we must submit to God. If you want to deal with strongholds, you got to submit to God. Determine and embrace with your whole heart what God's will is for, for the situation you find yourself in. You got to find that word or find the scriptures that support right belief about the thing you should do. Right, you have to find his standard regarding that area of your life. And once we make the decision, Lord, my thinking is wrong in this matter. This argument I'm having, this continual argument about the same thing, something is wrong with my thinking. Lord, I am selfish. You got to be able to say, I'm selfish. The other person is not causing me to be selfish. I'm selfish. It's only when we take responsibility for our situation that we're truly submitting to God. It's only then that we, you can't say, well, she made me or he made me do this. I do this because he does this. No, 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 no. You do that because you made a decision to do it. And that thing has to be broken. You, you have to come. Sometimes it's the pain in the relationship that drives you to your knees. Sometimes it's the pain when, when, when you know you love the person with all your heart, but at the same time, you can't stand them. And, 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 you, and, and, and you start thinking about, man, and then the enemy comes in with all kinds of thoughts. And it's only then in the agony when you stand to just about lose everything you have that you begin to see things clearer. You begin to say, like King David, I'm the man. I'm the woman. That's what submitting to God means. 
If you want to submit to God, one of the things I'm finding, if you submit to God, you don't offer an excuse. You don't offer an excuse. And the thing about it, you just, Lord, this is me. This is where I am right now. The next thing you have to resist the devil. Say resist the devil. Bishop Johnson shared something. You got to, re- you got to remove the partition in your mind that causes you to be double-minded. You, one of the ways, I believe this with my whole heart, Bishop Johnson has taught this, the local church helps you build your life around God. So part of resisting the devil is coming into the corporate house, not being disconnected, but being connected. And being connected in such a way that your heart is open to God speaking to you. And that your heart is open to the relationships in the house. And that you're involved in the life of the people of this house. You're involved with the work of God. Yes, prayer is one of the ways to resist. But you can pray and not be involved and be isolated and the devil whipping on you because there is a certain grace that comes to you when you are involved in the family. Something happens. Maybe you're not involved. And if you're not involved, then you got to ask yourself, what stronghold is in me that is exalting itself above the knowledge of God? What's keeping me from fellowshipping? What's keeping me from being connected? Like I need to be. He says what? Resist the devil. Thirdly, draw near to God. Bishop Johnson shared something with the men this week. It was a fresh word. It was a word I heard before, but it was fresh to me. Because I believe that one of the things that's happening right now, the enemy is deceiving many believers. And he's deceiving many believers. Because believers are reading books. Believers, they read books before they read the Bible. They, they read books before they read the Bible. They listen to tapes. They listen to podcasts before they read the Bible. And they never read the Bible. And I'm not just talking about a cursory look at the Word. I'm talking about where you get in the Word of God because it is alive. And you let it go down inside of you and work on your attitude. Lady Carolyn said she spends time with God in the word in the morning and in the evening. It takes something because he says receive with what? Meekness, meaning a teachable heart, the engrafted word which is able to save your mind, save your will, save your emotions. Is there a true digestion of him who is 
the living bread that has come down from heaven? Are you feasting on the bread every day? The bread of life, Jesus Christ. You can only grow by his word entering inside. And what happens, I mean, what happens when this begins to occur and you're like, well, you're not just going through the motions. You're not just going through the motions to have a devotion, but you're saying, Father, I just need you to speak to me. I need a proceeding word. I need, and then what happens is that once you begin to do that, you let the word work inside of you. You let the word speak to you. you let, and then what happens, God begins to give light to you in the word. See, a lot of people, they, they want, you know, you can have revelation and not have light. You can, you can listen to revelation but not have the light. And if you don't have the light, the light, the light is what changes you. It's not the revelation. It's the light. It's the illumination of the revelation. And a lot of people have a lot of revelation, but they have no light. And what, and what's, what, what causes you to flow in your gifting is when you let the word go down inside. And now you begin to learn to hear the voice of God. You want to prophesy? People normally don't prophesy above the Bible they read. They don't have nothing inside that the Holy Ghost can work with. There's a need for the engrafted word. How many of you received that? A need for the engrafted word. Well, you're meditating on the word. You're reading the word. You're studying the word. Your, your, your schedule will reflect how much you want God. You draw near to God. And then the next thing, lastly, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You know what makes God draw near to us? It's when we admit that we need help, that we repent. You know, a, a good part of the body of Christ don't even confess their sins anymore. The Bible says confess your sins. And many people in the body, if we confess our sins, he's faithful in what? Just to forgive us. And some people, man, you know what happens? See, you can't keep living the wrong way if you go before him every day and you confess from your heart. And then after a while, when you confess from your heart, it begins to break your heart. And he begins to give you what? Light and grace to get out. That's him drawing nigh to you because you what? Drawn nigh to him. You draw nigh to him with what? Repentance. And he draws nigh to you with grace. This morning, I like for those of you, only, only those of you, only those of you whom the Holy Spirit, you can tell when the Holy Spirit is working with you because you don't feel comfortable. And you know, and, and you can tell when the Holy Spirit is working with you because he's been talking to you about the thing, and then this morning he talks to you about it. But, but in a more emphatic way. We can resist the Holy Spirit and walk out not change, or we can draw nigh to God right now, and he will draw nigh to you.
Let's stand. If you know this morning, I mean, you know in your heart, God spoke to you. He, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on you. I want you to come right now in Jesus' name. If you're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is not doing anything inside your heart, you can stay in your seat. You can tell when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you because you don't feel comfortable. This whole series that Bishop Johnson is about doing this in this season is about God renovating our heart, our mind, will, and emotions. Some of you are, some of you, I saw a person standing on a landmine. You're about to put your foot on a landmine and lose everything you got. Come in Jesus' name. Receive Bishop Johnson, please.